it's two factors, right? Supply and demand. So you're saying the supply is not going anywhere. People have to live somewhere. So if they're not buying homes or renting, and guess who wants to buy homes when their rent's going way up? Investors. Right. There's always, it's always going to be demand. There's, it's just demands with different bases. Everybody want to get the bag, but y'all don't really know what it's going to take. Trying to figure out how to start now. Blue gems, glad to show you it all. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems. Let's go. <laughs> Let's kick it intro. off. Man, I've been excited for this one. Matthew, um, when we first met, man, it was a pleasure. So yeah, happy absolutely. to have you on. No, thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. Um, so tell everybody, like, What's your niche? What part of real estate are you in? What are you good at? What's your superpower? Sure, absolutely. So I've um, been doing real estate now full time. Um, let's see, for a little under actually half a year full time. Part time, um, a little over a year. I've been studying for probably the last four or five years. My resume in real estate is time wise relatively short, but it's blowing up. There's a lot of cool, cool things happening. Um, touching flips, touching new construction, multifamily, uh, moving into some rentals, property management, just anything and everything, anything that, um, comes through our door, we accept and we love it. So awesome. So when you say we, yes. So partners. So, um, for the last year I've had a partner, he lives in Miami right now, moving back. Shout out to my boy, Chris, watch this. Um, but we also have some new partners, uh, my boy Enrique and Jason that just came on board in the last week. And between the four of us, we're uh, doing it big. Yeah. Takes names, <laughs> That's right? awesome. Yeah. Awesome. 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 I know that you're probably going to geek out to this because you heard sure. construction. For sure. And go ahead and segue into what you're doing right now. And, and for sure. For sure. Take it off. So I'm big into house hacking where I buy like a low low down payment owner type property. Bigger pockets. Bigger pockets, exactly. So I just bought a property in uh, College Park where I'm going to be building an ADU in the backyard and putting it on Airbnb. Got some inspiration from my boy JB. Absolutely. And so I hired a GC for the project and this is all new to me. I don't have any rehab experience. I understand how to underwrite the deal, how to find the nightly rate on Airbnb and, and how to make it profitable. But what I don't understand is how to manage the project and get it to the point where it's ready to be rented out. So can you speak to the things that I should be looking out for when hiring a GC and what that process would look yeah, like? Yeah, sure. So that's a multifaceted question um, because there's quite a different a plethora of things that you should probably look for, such as the cost, right? So you're going to have a budget. And in that budget, uh, the GC is going to try to operate within that budget. Um, the other thing is going to be time, right? Because however much time he takes, hopefully he's given you a schedule. If you don't have a schedule, you should definitely get a schedule because the more time you're not on the market, it's opportunity cost, right? So schedule is equally as important as budget. Um, aside from that, it's just going to be quality of work, right? You want to make sure you're not getting bad work because he's using cheap guys and they're just really, really fast and he's able to skirt some stuff with inspectors. So those are kind of, that's probably like off the top of my head, the three things you really want to look at. Quality, time, cost. Now, if I break down each one of those really quickly, I would say for cost, um, in an area like College Park, because it's kind of the same thing when you drive up to a place in Mercedes, I'm probably going to charge you a little more probably going to see the same thing in the winter parks, the winter mirrors, the college parks, right? And GCs are going to see an address and they're going to think, okay, I can charge a little more per square foot. Um, a lot of the times GCs charge per square foot. I'm not sure who you're using, um, but depending on that, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing what the budget is, what this person is charging you. Yeah, for sure. So he's doing 20% overhead on profit on the okay. whole project and it's going to be about 55,000 all in. What's the square footage? For a studio, 400 square feet. Okay. So you're paying a little over a hundred bucks a square foot. Um, I guess, what is that math? Roughly 140 bucks, something somewhere in that range. Am I doing that roughly right? Roughly. 140 bucks a square foot. Yeah. That's actually not bad. That's a really good price. Um, 
We build at anywhere between, if it's uh, like a mid-range flip, we can build between like 80 to 90 a square foot. If it's like luxury, we can probably go 100 to 110 and make it really, really nice, like million dollar home. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go out and retail, try to buy like a million dollar home because you have a ton of money in the bank, GCs will charge you anywhere from 200 to 300 bucks. So they will make a killing on, you know, a, a lump sum contract, something like that. Right. But for what you have, a 20% overhead, um, the other area I would be careful for. So that's kind of my first gut check is he's not charging you a terrible per square footage rate. And I'm guessing that came for, uh, in the form of a lump sum contract, like 55 grand, and I'm just going to make 20% on that. Is that inclusive of his 20%? So he's doing cost plus 20. So when the work is done, I pay him for that work plus his, okay, his so percentage. It's a budget of 55. Grand. Right, right. Got it, got it. Okay. So how are you valuing that the cost is accurate? And I'm sorry if I'm getting too crazy in no, the details. No, 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 no. Um, no, is, so we, getting we're getting bids. We're getting bids from different contractors. And so, you're seeing those bids. Yeah, and I, so okay. I'm going with him to the property and we're getting bids on like various work. Perfect. And That's, so we're gonna, he's gonna be like, hey, do you, are you okay with this price point? And then he's yeah. gonna take his percentage on top of that. So my thought process was, for his 20%, he's consulting me in a way because I wouldn't have no idea if that's yes. a fair price or not. Yes. So, so to me, it was worth the fee, but it is. I guess you can save that money if you know what you're doing. <laughs> you're actually, so I think you're actually getting, from a money perspective, not looking at time or anything else right now, from a money perspective, I think you're actually getting a really good deal. And I think that you're, you're doing exactly what you should be doing. Okay. Because at cost where you're seeing different bids, you, you know, I live by the rule of threes. So right. three you know, at least three, right? Right. Um, if you're looking at bids and he's doing cost plus 20%, 20% is fair. Usually industry average is about 15%, um, 10% overhead, 5% profit. Uh, but 20% is totally fine because we're in a different market right now. Right? Uh, things are a little crazy and costs of just up and everything. But seeing different bids, knowing you're not getting what the industry is known for, which is a double dip where contractors will charge you all right, I paid $10 for that piece of lumber, but I'm going to charge you 11 bucks for that piece of lumber. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to take 20% on top of that. That's what I would tell you to look out for. But because you're seeing bids, you should be fine. The only other way someone could be dubious in that scenario is that they know the subcontractor and they're saying, look, you're low by two grand, come up a grand and split that with me or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, um, I don't think there's any way you can really look out for that. Well, if you get multiple bids, you'd be able to counter... Right, but what if the low bid. guy is like low by two thousand from the middle mm. guy? That's what I'm saying. He can Fair. tell them like I got this bid first. You can go up a thousand bucks is really his lowest option, and then you know we split that and get another five hundred bucks in my pocket. And you get another five hundred bucks in your pocket. Mm. Right? There's really no gut way to check that other than the fact that you're getting three bids and you know you're going to get something in the realm of a good deal. Um, but that would be the only thing that I would have a concern with. But in your shoes, I think right now with the situation you're in, I think that's actually a really good model to go by. I'm actively seeing people right now get scammed with lump sums where they're getting the work done by contractors, but the contractors are saying like 70,000 bucks, right? For $30,000 worth of work. You're paying way, way, way over what you should be paying Mm -hmm. for something like that. But the people don't know any better. Right. So, so what would be my alternative option? Let's say I didn't go the GC route. Like what, what else could I do? Uh, find the individual contractors got it and manage the project as an owner builder yes so you would pull an owner builder because it's your home and you can do that and you live there um of course you're going to run into all kinds of issues because i don't know what your experience is with getting a designer zero working through yeah well, so- i'm actually working with an architect now yeah so we're in the stage of getting the gc and the architect on board for the plans okay and we're working on city approval so i'm at that point now what's your What's your budget of time for working through permitting? Like, what are, what are they telling you to expect right now? They told me one to two months. Okay. And they, we started six weeks ago. And so. that it's Orange County, right? Yeah, City of Orlando. Okay. City of Orlando. Okay. So you They've been be pretty responsive, but overall, you know, I'm not too happy with how the progress has been because I was hoping it would be like, okay, we get the plans we submit and then we're, we're good to go. Yeah, so uh, we had a project in Winter Park that because it was City of Winter Park, it took six months to get through permitting. Wow. So we're just sitting and paying cost of money and stuff. And it's what I'm doing now. Yeah. Not yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, permit, you should always budget extra healthy for permitting because uh, designers will tell you a month up front. It'll take them three months to get it done because they're so backlogged already. But they won't tell you about that in the beginning. Um, and just working through the permitting process takes forever. Um, typically, what I do myself is I literally call the plan reviewers. But 
you wouldn't know that not having done a new construction build or something, I would expect your GC to be the person to call, say, hey, Mr. Plan Reviewer, you're up. When is this getting done? Blah, blah, blah. Because you can actually, you can call these people. You can call mm-hmm. City of Orlando and say, hey. Yeah, I've called them a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, this is my building permit number. They'll usually only give you the tech at the front. Right. But you can ask who's up for review because it's like a, one review starts and it doesn't go to the next person until that person's finished. You can call those individual people, leave them voicemails, send them emails, badger them if you want. And you can really help push that process. Wow. So, yeah, you can make personal relations. Sometimes I would go down and find them and talk to them. Hey, what's up? Got a box of donuts. <laughs> oh, I can't touch it. I'm a government employee. I know. But I'll leave one on your desk. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So say I met you two months ago when I bought the property. Would I have been able to hire you for my project or you're doing a completely different scope of work? So we're trying to stay away from just doing construction management. Got it. Unless we wanted to partner on it as, um, so if I find a deal through a wholesale route, because we wholesale real estate as well, right? So let's say we link up with a seller. We find a property at a great price. We're closing quickly on it. And you guys want to buy it for an Airbnb in Kissimmee or wherever, wherever it is. Um, that's more of our model where we can make the money on the front end through a wholesale fee, then partner up. And what we do is let's say um, you don't have a lender. We have a bunch of lenders that we have identified or like, we actively use these. These aren't lenders that we make a fee on or anything. These are just people that we use and we think that they're the best lenders for others out there trying to get into this space. And we would link you up with them, say, hey, they want to go on this deal. And what we do is we get an operating agreement that basically says we're leveraging our experience. The lenders know us. So it's good in their book. And that operating agreement says, you know, we're vested, all this kind of stuff. You're the person putting in that down payment. We're actually going to do this right now on a home in Tangelo Park. It's the next one coming up. And Tangelo Park, east side of I-4 from Dr. Phillips area, just in case, uh, close to Universal. And... ARV is 225. We got the purchase price at 129. Um, called the lender up really quick. And this guy works so fast. He said, okay, I'll put 100K down on the purchase. Uh, the person just needs to bring 29K as a down payment for skin in the game. And then I'll finance the 35,000 of reno as well. So the person that's investing and partnering up with us on this is only putting 29,000 down. And then what we say is, all right, once we're done with the reno, which about 30 to $35,000 worth of reno, max would take us about four weeks. Absolute max. Um, from there, they get 10% on their money. So they would make 3000 and then we would split the back-end profit, which is probably going to look like $22,000. So they'll make $14,000 on thirty grand in like four to five months. Now, the benefit to us, because some people would naturally say, well, why aren't you just flipping it and keeping that profit for yourself? Thing is, we do so many different projects. The liquidity standpoint, we're spread across all these different projects, right? So it's always nice to be able to uh, I guess, take the, the top off the can and be able to do unlimited projects when you're using other people's liquidity. Yeah, that's like hitting a single. You know? Exactly. You, you can't hit grand slams or exactly. triples all day. all day long. You take the singles every once in a while. Right. But yeah, uh, sorry, going back to, so then schedule would be the next thing I would look at. Do you have a schedule from the GC? Mm, we have a timeline, but nothing is official yet until we get the plans from the city. He should still be able to give you a schedule saying, as soon as I get stamp plans, this is how long it's going to take me. Get that. Because you want to hold them to that because, again, opportunity cost, right? It doesn't, nothing's going to change whether your start date is here or here. Right. Right. It should still technically be the same amount of time. The only thing that should change, which I would give him some leeway on, is how much work he's taken on since the project started and once his plans got stamped, right? If he took on a ton of work and he's trying to schedule guys and he's like, oh, my concrete crew is a little behind and they're the first ones, you know, they're going to grade the area and start doing concrete. Uh, that's the only place where I'd say, okay, that makes a little sense, but maybe you're pushed out like a week right yeah never be scared to push back on them um and then aside from time um quality right quality the only thing that i would really impress on you is ask the gc when the inspectors are coming out be present for those um even though he's the one on the license and he's the one or or one of his guys will be walking with that inspector no one will be as honest with you as the inspector when they're walking and like ah, they use the wrong strap they didn't do this. They didn't do that. And that will give you a good feel for the guys that he's hiring. Yeah, I've done that for like panel swaps and things like that. Small plumbing work with it, where the inspector comes out and I'm kind of there kind of reviewing what what his comments are. But if we go back to the architect phase, what are your thoughts on a $2,000 budget for a small studio space like that? Um, Barely priced, overpriced. What are you thinking? That's a lot. 
Um, it's not, I shouldn't say that. It's a good price for your first time for retail. I don't think you're crazy overpaying, but you're definitely not like underpaying. Um, on a house where we did an 800 square foot addition in Winter Park, we paid 1600 bucks. And that was double the size of what you're doing, right? And it was a little cheaper. Uh, local so, engineer? Or, yeah, 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 a local architect. Um, so there's definitely cheaper prices out there, but I mean, you're talking about maybe 500 nominal. bucks. Yeah, yeah it's, in the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot. Yeah, so having someone like you on the team would be super beneficial for any investor, I would think, right? Because you're bringing so much knowledge from the construction standpoint and you're kind of letting people not take advantage of you just because you don't know anything about that area. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and the crazy part too is it's not just me. Right. I got three other guys by my side that, you know, we all rotate in and out for each other and we leverage each other all the time because everybody has a little more expertise in a different area, right? I can develop and build some really big stuff. Um, my buddy is incredible at single family residential flips. He's the man. Um, and the two guys we just got, you know, one is absolutely great at wholesaling. Uh, the other one as well, they're looking to learn more about flip stuff. And likewise from us, we're looking to blow up our wholesaling operation way, 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 way more. And um, I mean, it's there's all these intangibles as well, right? The personalities click, everything meshes. And the best part is someone trying to work with one of us, you're really working with all of us. So, right. Yeah. I'm super excited about it. Yeah, that's, that sounds <laughs> special and, it, and it's new. So it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You hired someone today. Like, yeah, 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 yesterday, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's super exciting. Crazy. Um, so I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. Right. So we're talking about your business a bunch. Mm -hmm. What about oh. you personally? And what's your portfolio looking like? Are you buying real estate for yourself? Are you holding no, not right. yet. Not, I know it's yeah. still new for you, but yeah. what's your goals? Yeah, right? absolutely. A couple of years. Um, I'm going to take a, two steps back from sure. where I would naturally start that question. I, uh, when the baby was born two years ago, I was someone that I didn't recognize today. Um, back then I was playing way too many video games and all kinds of silly stuff and wasting my time, so to speak. Baby was born, um, had a tough time from when the baby was three to four months old to where, um, she basically, yeah, sleep was super, super tough. Like any parent knows and, um, got into co-sleeping. As we were going into co-sleeping, my wife was scared that, you know, what if I roll over on the baby, something like that, the natural fears you have as a first time parent. And um, so I came to this agreement that 3 a.m. and on, I'm going to stay up, stay up and watch you guys. And so what I did is I started reading like crazy, read, 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 read all kinds of books, started a virtual tour business actually back then, back, this was the beginning of the pandemic and um, started doing tours for like realtors and all kinds of stuff. During this time, the reason I share this is because during this time from 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. Uh, was like the slow evolution of like no more room for wasting time. And time became a, like a focal point in my life where I realized, oh, my God, like everybody knows and everybody hears money can't buy time. Right. But it like it really hit home for me, like just staring at her sleeping next to mama next to me and just saying, oh, man, like. This is hitting a little different. Yeah, that's a and um, from there, I just, I realized, okay, I refuse to let the government tell me when I can retire. I'm not waiting until I'm 67 and three quarters, right? And that's what most of us believe in the real estate investing space when we learn about bigger pockets and whatnot. And we all want to retire early. So that became my goal. 40 years old, not going to waste any more time. I'm not going to say that I'm not going to work because I enjoy it now. And I realize like the mental stimulation is just something I really, really enjoy. Um, but I would love the freedom to be able to just do what I want when I want, right? If I want to work today or if I want to just go rock climbing or like whatever, you know, that freedom, that's the goal. So freedom of time, um, is really where I'm going. And the, the path to getting there for myself was to intensely focus on the active side of it now, and then start dumping into the passive side as sure. the active creates those funds for passive. So. You wouldn't want to mix the two as you're going? No, I, it just depends, right? So if I it. if I make a bazillion dollars this year, heck yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to yeah. buy some passive stuff. It just, it really depends because of course I have the cost of living that I'm balancing. Right. 
um, in addition to the business growing and the return I get on that money going back into the business, which can turn into more, which can then become more passive investments, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a delicate balance on how early do you want to start that. Fair enough. I mean, that, that's the whole premise of this podcast, right? We're, we're trying to share our journey and our experience of trying to reach financial independence. How do we get there faster through mainly real estate and passive income, right? Yeah. You know, he right. has um, a Toro business where he has four, four cars and generating passive income. That's right? awesome. So like, it doesn't necessarily have to be confined to just real estate, yeah. but real estate is probably the best vehicle for that, right? Yeah. And um, so it's nice that you're on that same wavelength of like, hey, I have the same goal. Before 40 years old, want to be retired. I'll probably work too because I do love this industry. Yeah. I, love, I love building businesses. Mm -hmm. I love being around investors sure. and investing, right? But um, to pick when I want to chill with my kids or when I want to take my wife out on a random Wednesday, mm -hmm. like that's my choice, right? Exactly. To go travel when I want. So like we're all in the same wavelength, wavelength, wavelength right? We're millennials through and through. Yeah. Right. 100%. Right. I am a proud millennial. Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so one, one thing that I, this is going to be off topic again, but one thing I always like to, to talk about is, is mindset. You know, when we're, we're thinking about, you already talked about it a little bit, like watching your, your kid with your, you know, yeah. your wife and it's shifting your mindset completely. Yeah. And now I have to focus on time. Like, how do I get, spend more time with my kid? Um, what mind shift changes during that time? Did you go through and like, do you have like a, a, a morning ritual? Like, do you have a daily mm -hmm. ritual? What does that look like? Because I, I love digging into that. Like, yeah. I geek out to that. I have, I'm all on the, the wave of when your morning, when your day, you know? So I'm pretty regimented when it comes to that. I would love to hear more about your Yeah, yeah absolutely. So uh, it's funny. I, um, I debated bringing my, a little planner. There you go. <laughs> because I, I carry it with me everywhere. It's in sure. the passenger seat in the car right now. But, um, yeah, it does. It yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of rotate. I used to be really strict with how my mornings were. Um, but depending on how good my sleep was, I went into more of a flexible hmm. model, if you will, where I have like a basket, so to speak, of different things. Right. And they're, they're filled with working out, um, running, uh, so we're, uh, lifting weights when I say working out, running. Uh, meditation, research as far as like, uh, I kind of lump them all into one thing, like reading any kind of book or research in the stocks, crypto, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm trying to make sure I'm not forgetting a fifth. I think that's about it. It's, you, it's you those four. That you have a, a plan. Yeah. So I, I guess I, I don't consider that one because it's so hard ingrained in my routine where gotcha. I'm like, I'm in it every day. I don't even think of it as right, like right. one of those in the basket. But yeah, so I guess that would be the fifth is just... Gotcha reflecting on what I need to do that day, what I did the past day, where my wins were, how I felt, all stuff like that. So it's not, I wouldn't say I like write out everything. It's sure. more like jotted notes and then like key little concepts for me to internalize. So, yeah. Do you mind going deeper into the transition from W2 employee into full-time real estate investor? Because I'm yeah. in that middle stage right now. Oh, scary wanting to <laughs> transition, <laughs> transition and so i'd be very curious to hear your thoughts on when you thought you were ready and how you positioned yourself to get there yeah sure so um my situation was a little unique because of how much i used to work at balfour beatty you know, 80 hours a week and then transitioning to a job where i was working 45 hours a week as a subdivision developer and um not knowing what to do with all that extra time because i was so accustomed to all that time that i was used to spending on work and I feel that naturally with real estate investing. And so making that transition to me was more of a number. I was making more money on the side than I was on my actual job. And it just made sense, right? If I can do this part time, why can't I do it full time and then explode it? Um, so that was really the mindset for me was it was all what are the numbers generating? and How, how does that look relative to what you're making in the W2 world? Um, the scary part, though, is, of course, you know, what if that number doesn't hold true and it starts going down and now you're right you no know. guarantees right exactly right you don't have that stability right paychecks for me are on closings right all right so you know realtors and anybody else on closing they understand but it's uh you just 
you get used to it. Salaries are addicting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. True, true. Stability. Yeah, stability. <laughs> but those those closing paychecks are multiple W two paychecks, right? So it just go. it depends how often they come in, and it's it's a scary thing. It's just I don't know if I could ever answer that question for you know anyone other than myself because it's just Fair. it's it's a feeling thing too, right? It's easy to say it's empirical and you're looking just at the numbers and it makes sense and I should do it. But the hard part is if, I guess a good way to describe it would be if you're the kind of person that would sell a stock because it dropped 20% and you're, you're bought it with a long-term you know, mindset, but the emotions get the best of you, then it may not be the best move. You have to be in a more steady place where you're okay with the like income that. not coming. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to ride this because I'm truly long-term, not on stock, but myself. Yeah. And you, understand yourself, the, yeah. you understand the fundamentals, yeah. right? Why you made the investment in right. stocks to begin with. Exactly. So if there's any shift in the micro, it's kind of irrelevant. And, right. and you're, you understand that, you know, like he's yeah. very much on that train where he understands the fundamentals of, of investing in general. So I'm at the point where the numbers make sense for me to leave. Okay. But awesome. Congratulations. That's that in itself. Like you should celebrate right, right off the bat. <laughs> no, agreed. Yeah. I've made more outside of my job than I did. I do in my job awesome. for this year officially, but, or sorry for 2021 and now 2022 moving into the new year. But I think for me, it's always been like, if I can do it all, then why not continue to grow it on the side? But to your point, maybe if I can use that time to explode my business and kind of exit it completely, that may that might make yeah. more sense, you know, yes. depending on your goals. So that gets into the whole empirical view. How much right. money are you making per hour outside and how much money are you making per hour inside? Right. So it should translate. Just depends if it makes sense feeling-wise as well. Yeah. It's all about the feelings. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, and health insurance, I've heard, is a... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was... I added 33% to my living expenses getting, getting insurance through the, the marketplace. Yeah, I, I have to do that too. I've been doing that for a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, do you so. mind sharing like the range of what it what it might cost? No, no, not days? at all. Um, so mine is going to be more expensive because wife. So I, I didn't share this, but my wife is a stay at home mama. Um, she was a third grade teacher and um, didn't realize that she wanted to be a full time mother until she had a child. And uh, you know it was. Soul eating at her soul when the baby was getting dropped off at daycare. But, you know, it's some mothers want to be super independent at work. My wife was the opposite. She's like, I want to do nothing but be there for my child and, and all that kind of stuff. Wow. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to lie. In the beginning, it was really hard for me because my degree is actually in civil engineering. And I look at everything very kind of black and white numbers and stuff. And it's sometimes it's hard for my wife, who's a teacher, who's so empathetic to connect with me on, on you know, a, a good level where we see eye to eye. And when that, when we were going through that, where she wanted to quit, all I was looking at was not the feeling side of it, but the, well, your salary, you know, 20,000, let's just say she's making 40,000, right? As an example, 20,000 of it is going to bills and daycare and whatnot. And then 20,000 is left over for us saving the real estate because right. it, it was a family goal where it really, really, really made sense for me because that, I'm not gonna lie, that was tough. There was probably a couple months, maybe three months of like hard conversations of you just gotta stick to it, gotta work. I'm gonna see what I can do on the side, see what I can do with the job and make more money and all this kind of stuff and see what our opportunities are to get you to quit. Where the true breakthrough came was when I realized I could make more money on the side with the time she gets me by quitting. So when she quit, it became a win-win. I just didn't see it that way in the moment because when she quit, it freed up so much time of me not having to do certain things around the house. So she's taking care of, I mean, it's all, it's, it's still a full-time job. I still see what she does, a full-time job. She just loves what she does right. with the child, right? And um, that time that I got freed up from, from not doing laundry and cleaning the house and all that kind of stuff that got invested into building the business on the side because at that point it was a side hustle i realized oh my god i'm making way more than 20k with that extra time now it makes sense and you don't have to do laundry 
Right. <laughs> that's, 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 that's huge. <laughs> yeah. But so that, that's kind of where the, the huge shift for me came with her. And then it just, everything took off because then there's that synergy of she's living her dream. And she's so happy. I'm living my dream and building Everybody's this happy. thing. And like, oh man, yeah, it was awesome. When was that transition? She had quit December of 2020. Okay. So a little over a so year now. Pretty recent though. Yeah. How old is your little one? She's two. She's two. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Any plans for more? Uh, we're, we're planning on two more. Nice. So nice. We were both uh, uh, only children with um, half siblings. Um, but my half sibling was very far away, so I didn't grow up with him. Her half sibling came later on in life. And so we kind of had our early years alone and we wanted to see what it's like to have bunch of little ones the family and all that kind of stuff so for us it was love definitely it. gonna we want to be grandparents with like kids climbing on me and stuff yeah <laughs> i love that it's awesome so i did want to go into the health insurance numbers if possible oh yeah sorry <laughs> oh i'm <laughs> so sorry i went you, way off topic. no it's cool. no it was great though it was great um, i'm just i'm just interested for like the listeners who are in a w2 right now yeah they're, yeah. they're, they're yeah. wanting to weigh you know all their options and so what can they expect from from that standpoint Yes, sure. So um, for my family with um, myself, my wife, and that's why I went on that whole segue. Because my wife doesn't have insurance. So she has to get insurance through my plan. Uh, healthy, well, technically it's a family plan. Um, but yeah, so since she doesn't work, my child's obviously two. <laughs> and I'm the only one working. We're paying roughly, I think it's 1500 for medical. Um and about another 300 bucks for like vision and dental. So I'm at like 1800, something like that a month. Um, but it's actually a really good plan. It's like the gold. You have like bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. And because we may or may not be expecting this year, we're not really sure um, if that's going to be a thing this year, but we're just erring air, 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 on the side of caution. Erring on the side of caution. There you go. That's <laughs> what I'm looking for. Erring on the side of caution. Um, this plan covers you know childbirth and all that kind of stuff so i'm definitely paying on the higher side than what most people can assume or this is, expect this is kind of random but when i was talking to like our insurance broker you know because my wife and i are looking to have our first child hopefully this year oh awesome yeah so pretty pretty stoked fingers crossed yeah know. um but from my understanding she said that it would it's pretty easy like let's say if my wife does get pregnant we could just like move up to the next year and yeah. then during the nine month pregnancy you know we pay that premium rate and then when she has the baby everything's good to go we'll drop back down to just facilitating what our needs are yeah no that would be great i um but i'm not i'm not an insurance expert right sure but um <laughs> i do think that maybe it's like one of these qualifying like life um i forgot what they yeah, call it exactly yeah. Yeah, like, yeah yeah you know it has to be something dramatic that or in the enrollment period like one of the two yeah, right yeah, every right, october right. you can change yeah or, yeah or but this negates the right you know, yeah uh, that plan because there was a big difference family or yeah yeah um it's good to get concrete numbers though because i mean if you can do the math like so i'm, I'm paying 1200 a year but in reality, it's just a number. So if I can like make more and then still pay that premium and say it's 900 a month or whatever the number comes out to be, it's good to know when you're calculating the difference between the two, Absolutely. You know, two routes. Yeah. So we can go a number of directions now. I mean, the man's in wholesaling, property management. We talked about the construction, but can we move into maybe the wholesaling or property management realm for a bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So property management, everything is brand new on property management for us. We Bought a 13plex last week um, in Lake Placid. Um, super sweet deal that we're basically going to flip. It's just a different style of flip because we're dealing with tenants that are staying um, as well as some that are moving out. And we the market rents were way under. We're charging above market rents. Our whole plan is get it stabilized, renovated, sell it off. Um, really cool thing is I think we have some buyers that are interested already without it completed yet. Um, yeah, so always locking that up is, is great. Uh, I actually have a meeting tomorrow on that, um, talk numbers with somebody, but, um, having that all set has just been very different because we're just so used to flips that, um, you know, they're vacant or just, just construction. This is construction and people and, you know, it's just a whole other variable. Um, but 
It's been How cool. are you operating that with someone in there? Yeah, so. Like what would the differences be? We walk through the units, you know, introduce ourselves as property managers. I never want them to know that we're an owner. Um, but basically just say, what does the unit need? And I also inspect it because I'm looking at it from an owner standpoint. I want to make sure that the unit is one up to code. I want to make sure their smoke detectors are in and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then there isn't a bunch of stuff that's broken or fire hazard. They have too many plugs in one plug, you know, something like that. Um, so I don't burn the building down and I have to use the insurance policy and also, of course, for themselves. Um, but so, yeah, that's really it is just finding out what needs fix up. Um, there was a lot of different things that needed fix up and um, they were paying way, 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 way below market rent. So we basically came to an agreement with them where it's really a one on one discussion. It's really, you know, looking at people in the eye and saying, hey, rents are going up. I want you to be aware, but I also want you to understand there's a lot of different benefits that come with that rent coming up, which is, you know, you have you have my number. Right. You're going to call me. Let me know if anything ever goes wrong. Right. And there have been issues, historical issues, like with the septic tanks, for example, their showers and their, their toilets don't go down after two months and they're freaking out because can't use basic sewage. Right. That's a problem. We need to fix the septic, which we're all over and we're getting all of that taken care of. Um, you know, they had a lot of their stoves were like the old uh, coil rings, but that are just so old that they don't really turn on. And we realized, well, you can turn them on, but the connectors just aren't connecting correctly. And I would never want somebody to have to do that. That's, that's a safety hazard. That's a fire hazard. That's every kind of hazard. So you get a new stove, you know, just doing all the right things for these people and just managing that personal connection. So that's definitely a different variable, right? Um, also actively doing construction when people are there, making sure that we're not doing it at you know, three o'clock in the morning and waking people up and pissing them off. So, right. Um, yeah, just uh you mentioned um, septic systems. So one of my rookie mistakes was my first deal had a septic and I had no idea about plumbing. My agent didn't know either. And so I bought a property with an original septic system from the 1960s, still running today. No issues currently, but I know one day that thing's going to go out. It's probably going to run me 10K. It's a duplex, so I need two tanks, two drain fields. And so it depends on how big your duplex is. 1,200 square feet each unit. I've got and they each have their own tank. Correct. Okay. Um, I've got bids I'm not a in the range of eight to twelve. Disclosure. Not, I'm not <laughs> a septic. Um, you brought expert. it up, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if he knows. No, no, I know, I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm not a septic expert by any means. For sure. Um, usually, the tank is great. I don't know if you know how they work with like sludge on the bottom, water in the middle, and then you have a little layer on top of like oil and stuff. And where the drainage outlet comes out is the water side. Um, but it, a lot of the time, the problem ends up being like a clogged outlet or a drainage field or something like that. Like that's what we're seeing on ours is that it's all on the drainage field side. And the drainage field is a lot cheaper than replacing a tank. And tanks, really, they're just tanks. It's There's nothing special about a septic tank. It's right. just a tank in the ground. It's just how... But they cost money. <laughs> right. Yeah. But a lot of the time, the tank doesn't go bad. You know, it's... It's sturdy. It's, it's your... last Yeah. It's, it's drainage system. Your connections your inlet outlet right so if it's on the inlet side it's probably some plumbing underground that you can dig up and trench and just take a look at and fix or something on the back end it's just a bunch of sand in the drainage field so um i would that's an area where a hundred percent people would get taken advantage of um because septic companies know people don't know anything about septic and they're all kind of scared because it's not on city sewer just always sure. remember it's just a tank and some sand so a lot of the times if you get a guy that knows what they're talking about they're not going to bs you at I have a guy that's actually really good with that and he's not going to BS me at all. And he's just like, yeah, it's probably just a drainage field. Like I'll take care of it and no big deal. Really? Yeah. I, awesome. so I feel like I have a good septic guy, but maybe I don't. Um. <laughs> so just to let you know with where we're just going to get a drainage field replaced, I had another guy say whole thing needs to come out. Wow. All it needs to be brand new. It's from the fifties. Same thing. And I was like, okay, you know, I don't know enough about septic, but I started learning. And the other guy was like, just a clogged outlet, just fix your drainage it field. It does make a lot of sense. Right. Like it is just yeah, this lying. big tank that it's just it's tank with the gas forever. Yeah, right? for so, quite quite some time. Right. What's I mean, of course, wrong with the tank. Um, I mean, the main thing is just going to be corrosion from the that's, organic material. That's where mine is at. It's so old. It's like the lid is kind of like you yeah. know losing some some of the concrete could be fading away. So right. 
the hazard I think would be if the, the lid ever fell in on an older tank from my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be, that'd be kind of crazy though for, I mean, you could hopefully just replace the lid because it's just a lid. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and the lid is usually underground and for a lid to corrode really badly. I mean, that's really odd because organic material usually doesn't go all the way up to the lid. Your outlet is well below that. Um, that's an odd one. Would, so the argument that he made, he was like, hey, you can probably get away with replacing the drain field, but your tank is 70 years old, so you might as well do both of them. And I was like, well, I mean, that's pretty fair of an argument. I mean, I don't know how long those things are supposed to last, but I mean, 70 years is a pretty good, you know, good operating life, <laughs> you know? I mean, realistically, so a, a roof gets 30 years, I'm getting 70 years from my septic tank. Like, I mean, that's not terrible. I've got 70 years on these and they're staying in the ground. There you go. There you <laughs> no, go. I'm just, I'm just saying like, I, I got the same thing from somebody right. and I got somebody else who was just like, nah, man, it's metal. It's good. I'll take a look. I'll see if there's any kind of crazy corrosion. Most likely not because they're built specifically for that, but it's just, just a metal tank. So it just depends. It's really very unique to the scenario, but that's one area where hundred percent I would get more than one quote. Yeah. I've gotten a few bids and they range a lot. I said like eight to 12 grand. I mean, that's a pretty big spread on, on one job. Yeah. 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 That was my rookie mistake. And, um, I told him I still would have done the deal. didn't really impact the numbers too much. I mean, it's, it's operating, but tenants have complained with slow drainage. And then I go in there and sometimes it's just like a clogged pipe, but then other times it's the tank not going all the way to the drain field. How often is the slow drainage? It's like every six months I got to. That's, that's the same exact problem I'm having yeah. in this drainage field. Yeah. So this drainage field can get saturated and then you might have a clogged outlet, which they can check really quickly by basically popping the lid and they have a little hook that they can poke down there. Um, they usually say they do that every time they come pump it. So if you're pumping it every six months, they should be checking the outlet. But at the end of the day, you can probably just redo the drainage field because it's saturated. Good. And that's pretty inexpensive. Um, for a full drainage field, you're probably talking about anywhere from three to five. So you cut your budget in half. Yeah. He, he quoted me 2,500 for each drain field. Oh, great. Yeah. There you go. It was probably like double for the new tanks. Get a, get a new lid, bro. Get a new lid, a new drainage field. Call it a day. Another 70 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the arguments that he made too was like, so he had to like rip my fence out to like get his truck back there and like dig up the whole backyard. And so like, I understand where he's coming from. He was charging me like per load of sand that he had to load in there. And so there was kind of like a, an argument to be made because both, drain fields are bad and both tanks are bad. So if we did everything in one shot, it'd be kind of like do it once and then wait another 70 years versus like do one repair here, do one repair here, have my whole backyard dug up. So, but that's only if your tank is actually bad. Right. So that's, right. that's really the, the bottom line questions. Right. Is your tank bad? Cause if it's not, then he's just trying to make more money on it. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. And then if it, if, it, <laughs> if it fits the capacity of the, yeah. the, the unit, so it's a 750 yeah. gallon tank on a 2.2, which from my understanding is a little bit low, probably 1250 would be as far as standard. like all of that kind of stuff. I have, I have yeah. no idea when it comes to, yeah. I just get the basic gist of how the thing works. So. There you go. <laughs> Understand the basic cost, but yeah. we'll. I'll have to exchange your septic guys information after, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have a few of them actually I've gotten bids from, like I said, but yeah, that was like when you mentioned it, that was like one of my, my main mistakes I've made so far. We can just have the septic guy come on. Bro. No, I don't, I don't think he'd be that interesting. But. The guy I use is great. He's up. Yeah. So he's a plumber. I knew from my Balfour Beatty days, he worked with a big, big, big plumbing company. His son broke off to make his own plumbing company and he went with his son. He's got a master plumber license, but he's one of the funniest guys I know. He's a very happy, jolly dude, which uh, I just talked to him this morning. And um, what was he saying? He was like, man, I hate all you contractors. Or no, all you all you uh, project managers. Just not you, Matt. You're the most laid back one. I love you. And I was like, <laughs> that's great. Thanks. But he's, he's just a funny dude. Yeah, I need a good plumber. The plumbers I have on my team are are not all stars, I would say. It's contractor world. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys, um, what are you? What are you really, really focused on this year as a business? Right now, you you brought on two team members, and is, is it mainly construction? Is that going to be the biggest piece of it? Like, what's what's your the biggest 
It's going to be 50 50. 50 50. So it's going to be wholesaling and, and, okay. and the big construction stuff. Really yeah. trying to double down on, on the wholesaling. Yeah. The smaller construction stuff, the small flips are just going to be kind of whenever a good deal comes through and yeah, it's a solid base hit. Go get it real quick, lock it down and have some crews run it. Um, and then the property management just comes with when we do those partnerships with some investors and they want to throw a renter in there instead of sell it. We just keep all that in house when we manage it for them as well. So that will all grow organically as the rest of the business takes off. Um, wholesaling is where these two other partners come in with their really, really strong suit of being all things wholesaling and building a business. And, um, that we definitely see can, can grow very, very, very quickly. Um, and then the new construction side, just taking down a lot more than we ever could because of our new relationships with different lenders that, you know, they're all willing to back us now because they see what we can do, right? So we have one in the Belle Isle Conway area that um, was a big one. There's two in Warner Park that were done. And, you know, once you start building that resume, then the lenders are just like, all right, here's lower rates. Here's all the money. Go do it. Yeah. And um, that changes everything. Yeah. Having that flexibility is great. Can we talk about the loan products a bit? So I assume it's not conventional loans. It's no, probably no, it's more money. private money, hard money. Yeah. So what type of rates are you seeing? What type of LTV and, and what does that look like? Yeah, sure. So um, one guy that we use, he's private. He used to flip a ton himself. And so the way he operates doesn't care about you whatsoever. He's it's actually kind of funny guy because you can tell he's trying to get you off the phone. He just wants numbers. He's like very, very, very to the point. But that's actually what I love about him is um, he's all business, very quick and knows how to make decision very fast. So on that, he's actually the guy on that smaller one, the hundred thousand. We were talking about this, I believe, off camera earlier. But so to repeat those numbers, um, found a deal, one hundred twenty nine thousand dollar purchase price. $35,000 in reno, called him about 30 minutes after we found this and, and were able to get that contract. Um, he said, 100,000 for the purchase, 35,000 for the reno, you guys put down 29,000, which, I mean, if you're thinking 165,000, you're talking about a 20% down payment to get a project done, right? And that's, it's pretty solid. Um, for a small project like that, 30,000 is not too much. And then where, where it really gets, where you're weighing the cost benefit is how fast and easy he is because to him, if he sees it as a good deal because you default and walk away and he can finish it because that he has that experience, that's all he cares about. If it's a good deal and if he's signing off on it and lending, it's kind of like your second set of eyes. I just yeah. said, yep, that's a good deal, but he's expensive in the, in the, in the money world because of how easy he is, right? He's not, he didn't, he doesn't check credit, not doing a background check on me. He's not looking for collateral or anything. It's literally completely secured by that house. And his security is that you put a 20% down payment down so, and he knows he can finish the job because you lose that 20% if you walk away, right? And you don't know what you're doing. So because he's all deal-based, that's why I really like him because he's just that fast. Literally 45 minutes later, I knew we had a loan and we were ready to go. Awesome. Um, but he charges 4%. I usually chalk it up to 5% because there's like legal fees. So these are just points, 4% points. Wow, yeah. And that's then it's 12% per year. So you're paying a point a month. So if I'm taking three months to get that sold, I'm all in at like 8% on the cost of money. Wow. So on 135,000, what's that? 10,400 bucks roughly. So my cost of money on that him? project is going to be, yeah, he's going to make 10 grand in four months on 135K. And he, he does this all the time. This is a full-time job. He just drives to the project, says, yep, you're good. Here's my deal. Go. You'll know the same day. You're paying for that. You, that exactly. Exactly. Um, whereas on the bigger stuff, because he's so expensive, we won't use him so much on really, really big stuff unless maybe, I don't know, lenders just don't like a project for some reason. And then we'll go to him. Um, we're using um, a company out of California um, they charge about two and a half points up front and 9% interest, hard money. And they'll go up to 90%. Um, so it's just 10% down, which is great. Yeah, it's so, solid. Yeah. Plus rehab. Yeah, they'll cover rehab. So we try to go with them, but their, their background checks, apps, has to go through the whole underwriting thing, double check the project, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's a little more of a process. So it's, that's why on the smaller stuff, I'm always going to use the other guys because it's just so fast on the big ones it's worth saving money and they're completely private right they're not 
advertising their business online or anything? I don't know about, um, usually everything for me is networking, word of mouth, all the different people I talk to because I go to a lot of different meetups and different things like that. Um, but Builders Trust is the one, uh, Doug Beck, he actually has a YouTube channel. Um, really solid guy, really cool guy. Really enjoyed talking to him and yeah, getting info from him and stuff. May have to get him on here. And a private lender. Yeah, he actually has a background in wholesaling, flipping, all that kind of stuff as well. Love it. Love it. Um, man, we we touched base on a lot of things already. Is there anything that you want to talk about? Uh, you want to send out to the audience you find interesting? Or- <sighs> Let's see. One of the things I think I'm the most excited about, aside from growing a business and all that, uh, today. My back's actually a little sore because we moved um, offices. So where I'm at, I'm a couple blocks down and we were on the first floor. It was originally intended just for myself. And as we grew and I had three guys in there and it's like probably half the size of this room right now. Sure. So I was like, all right, we, we got to do something. And I've always dreamt of getting the top floor. It's a three-story building over on Jefferson. And there's a big suite with like three offices, a big conference room and everything. And I, I always said one day I'm going to move in there. Today was that day. No, yeah. Wow. So we, we were moving Let's stuff. Go. Yeah, Let's we were moving go. stuff. That's so, awesome. Um, Celebrating right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so really, really That's exciting huge, for man. us. Yeah. So one of them is going to be like an acquisitions, and then what's funny is two of the partners are um, Peruvian. I'm actually Peruvian as well. I know I don't look at it. My dad's Polish. That's why I don't <laughs> look at it. But I speak Spanish, all that stuff. And um, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed it. No. Yeah. Good to know. yeah. Um, so we're calling it Perucho headquarters, which Perucho is like indigenous, like Peruvian. And so that's, that office is Perucho headquarters. You can have acquisitions and like a small little conference room and stuff. And my, my, what I'm really excited about now leading into this is I used to have a YouTube channel I was super active on, still have it, I should say. And I was into posting stocks, um, spent maybe five, six months really heavy into that and got over 3000 subscribers. Um, and my whole goal with that was, well, I'm already spending eight to 10 hours on due diligence on stocks. Why not just like share my due diligence? Right. So that's what I did. Um, I'm not focused on stocks so much anymore because I have to put so much time into the business and everything real estate related. And so I wanted to convert the channel over to real estate and I made like maybe two videos about me quitting my job and like wanting to talk about real estate and stuff, but I haven't been able to be consistent with it mainly just because of everything going on. But the goal is now it's going to be like four dads in real estate, start the channel back up nice, and it'll be like fun. Like, cause I, I want to do like something a little different from what's out there, out there, you know, everybody's super clean cut and awesome and, you know, making a ton of money and here are all my, here are all my tips for real estate. Right. Right. But I, I wanted to do, I guess something I, I want to do that as well, but also want to do something a little different where, I don't know, maybe there's like silly little office style skits, but like it's a wholesaling office with a bunch of dads. Like maybe our kids are all running around and like they're the ones typing, like, you know, right. stuff like that. Just having fun with it. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm really excited to like get the channel back up and doing something silly like that and just have fun with it. So let me know if you need help. I specialize in production and oh that's awesome so yeah, yeah cool happy yes. to add some value since you've done the same yeah no, no, that'd be cool <laughs> he's a boss when it comes to that so oh cool that's awesome well that's exciting man third floor on jefferson yeah yeah we got, we got the top yeah. <laughs> are you did you purchase space in there or do you own the building no we, we lease it got it yeah got yeah it. so i um, was fortunate to meet the owner of the building he's um awesome dude and um he hooked it up you said you looked in here as well, right? This, this is ex- industrious. No, I looked at expansive and venture X. Very similar. Yeah. Very similar to this. Uh, very, very, very similar. Um, but the building I found was only advertised on Craigslist. You're going to find it anywhere else. And it was super cheap. I did want to get your, your thoughts on the real estate market today and where you think it's going to go in the future from, you know, a construction standpoint sure. and also from the investor side. Yeah. Because you have a dabble in both. A lot of people are learning that inflation is not as transitory as everybody was saying it was going to be. Right. Um, where I see the market going, and I feel very strongly about this, is that homes are still going to appreciate anywhere from 3 to 5% over the next two years. Um, and I, th- I think that's probably it. I'm thinking I'm going to be... Pretty solid on that, I guess. Um, 
The reason I say that is because even though rate hikes are going to come in and the rule of thumb is usually for every 1% that rates go up, uh, home prices go down by 10%. And we all know that we're probably going to get, uh, people are estimating three rate hikes. I think it'll probably be closer to two, but we'll see. Fed meeting tomorrow, actually. So we'll find out with tapering and all that stuff. Um, but regardless of these rate hikes, let's say we see two, for example, and let's say that means it's 0.5% rate hike. That means home prices should go down 5% this year, relatively speaking, if that was the only factor. That's where the big if is. Where I see the big elephant in the room is everybody knows we have an inventory problem. And me being on the subdivision developing side, I probably have a different uh, perspective on that, like an insider's perspective on how, why I see the inventory problem being so much bigger than anything else going on. And so when I was on the, on the subdivision developing side, this was clients that are developers come to an engineering firm. I was working for an engineering firm and they have to go through due diligence, a due diligence process and then go into engineering and then basically get plans designed, permitted, all this kind of stuff. Once those plans are ready to go, then I come in, buy everything out with the site work guy, develop all the land, and then they sell it off and start building homes. And then homes take, you know, six months to build the whole thing out for a subdivision and they're starting to sell. That whole process starts to finish. You're talking about 18 to 24 months. The rate we're building at right now with the current inventory problem we have is way, 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 way less than what the demand is. And a lot of that demand also comes from, you have um, more people coming into prime buying age, which is actually 31, roughly. More people coming into prime buying age than you are people leaving their homes from, you know, whether they're deceased or um, going to assisted living facilities, sharing facilities, sharing homes, whatever it is, all that kind of stuff. There's not enough inventory coming online. And the process to get more inventory online is just so slow. And there's so much backlog with civil engineering firms that design these subdivisions. You're not going to see any kind of faucet opening to make prices go way down because there's so much supply for at least two to three years. There's no way. What if demand drops so down, though, that the price goes down? Because it's two factors, right? Supply and demand. So you're saying the supply is not going anywhere. People have to live somewhere. Yeah. So if they're not buying homes or renting, and guess who wants to buy homes when their rent's going way up? Investors. There's always it's always going to be demand. There's it's just demands with different faces. So, um, yeah, point. inventory is just it's to me that's the biggest the problem. You think yeah. even even if rates go to you know five six percent, you think well that would take years and years yeah. and years. You're going to see a max of maybe 075 percent rate hikes this year. Right. And this is just I I love paying attention to the Fed and all that stuff from all the stock due diligence I used to do. So uh, you know, Mr. Money Printer, Jerome Powell. People are starting to see the consequences of the monetary policies we've put into place the last two years, right? So it started with the pandemic and we went on this money printing mission. And now people are like, well, that probably wasn't the best strategy and let's figure out how we can resolve it. And one of the interesting things about now compared to 07 was rates were higher back then. So you were able to to kind of go down and, and taper and, and stimulate the economy. And we've been doing that. But rates are already so low now that if we had any type of recession, like how much further down could we go, right? Before we're in a negative environment or before we are really putting pressure on the economy. So I just don't know how many tools the Fed has left if, if, if they're going that route. Uh, the only tool they have left is no more quantitative easing and then raising rates. It's really it. Raising rates is their primary tool. Um, and they could care less about stocks and care less about any of that stuff. They, um, they've always said their two goals were um, jobs, making sure people have jobs, and um, just managing inflation. So inflation being the key factor there, it's not as transitory as we people were expecting. And the only real way to manage that is rate hikes causes less volatility because people aren't making as risky bets when they have to pay money on their money that they're borrowing. Right now, there's, you don't have to pay anything. Money's free. Money. free. You don't think it's a supply chain issue being in control? Oh, no, there's, there's a lot of supply chain issues. Absolutely. Um, but I, there's so many different variables that go into it, and that's definitely that's a great point. That's definitely one of them. Right. Um, 
I just, the inventory one is like the really big one. That's like, nothing's going to solve that right now. There's literally nobody can boom homes. Do you think there's a repercussions from the 07 crash? Because we probably didn't build as much as we should have in the last maybe, you know, 20 years because there wasn't as much demand coming from the crash. Everything was on market. Supply was high. So do you think we were underbuilt in the last 10 years, which is causing us now to have lack of supply? Um, that's an interesting question. Um, do I think we were underbuilt? I, yes, because maybe these firms should have some kind of way of determining how many people are going to be come into prime buying age, but there's so many variables that go into it. I mean, it's, it's just, it's such an odd time you have. I think I read like an interesting article about, um, how there were a ton of teachers actually leaving the job and not coming back in my wife being one of them and all these different fields, right? Myself included, I quit and I'm working for myself. Uh, you know, you guys are, you're trying to go down that road and you're full-time Airbnb, right? So it's, there's a job shortage. And when there's a job shortage, it affects everything. It affects builders, it affects manufacturers, whatever it is. Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm probably pulling a straws here, but there's just so many different variables that come into this that I don't know if anybody could have really foreseen this coming. I'm not, I'm not really sure. If you did, you would have made a lot of money. I'm yeah. thinking about a firm that could have been predicting you know, a low supply of housing and they've just been building a lot of inventory over the years and now they've been making a killing. Yeah, the thing though, I guess is the only way to put, like if you were gonna play that, like a commodity or something, like if somebody was storing oil or something, right? Like would anybody really build a house and just like not selling it? Yeah, I know the market's fair. gonna appreciate over two years, right? Everybody fair. like they're paying money on their money. So I just think it's, I think probably, now I'm starting to kind of formulate a good thought on this where because the home building process is such a long one, um, not for like a single house, but for subdivision stuff that's actually going to impact the market. Right. Because it's such a long process. Nobody actually starts until, you know, there's a problem. Nobody's mm -hmm. going to start it two years ahead of the and problem. And by that point, it's too late. I mean, exactly. by the time you're done, it's, it's already so been a problem. Yeah. It's just so slow. And that's why... Compared to the stock market where you're getting pricing reactions instantaneously, the housing market is very delayed. I mean, we, we might not see an impact from rising rates for two years, to your point. It might take time for that to kind of impact the market. Yeah. It's kind of a lagging in indicator more than a leading indicator. Well, rates, rates, I think, will have the direct impact. But I just, like, I'm just hearing so many crazy stories right now. There, one of our clients who uh, buys from us regularly he um, was trying to buy a new home for himself down in Miami and the re the market price. I mean, I guess that's a facetious term because market price <laughs> is whatever somebody who's willing to pay. Right. But the market price was 700,000. Um, he went in expecting to pay 750 and showed up to a showing an hour early, got in there and talked to the realtor and said, what do you think? Like, I'm willing to go a little higher, blah, blah, blah. I understand the market's a little crazy. All this stuff. He's like, yeah, well, we'll see, you know, I'll see. I'm just having this one showing. That's it. Um, seller wants to sell immediately and wants it to move fast. By the time he left from that conversation with the realtor, there was a line to the show and it was two blocks long, which is insane. This was a condo on the beach down in Miami. And, um, the realtor called him and said, this was maybe like three hours later, called him and said, so the best offer I have right now, if you can beat this 900 K 500 K in cash finance, 400. And he was pissed. He was like, you gotta be kidding me. This is insane. Close. And, but so Miami's no an extreme, yeah, Miami's an extreme version of what's going on sure. elsewhere, right? Orlando, it's just, we see raising prices, right? If you own a home, you obviously benefited from appreciation and whatnot, but, um, it's just not going to stop. There's nothing like if you open up Zillow right now, look at what's for sale for under 400 grand. I mean, you're going to get like the occasional thing that pops up. And if it's like a solid looking home, I mean, it's, it's gone like that and over asking, it's just, it's insane right now. Active average days on market is that like an incredible all time low right now. I think it's like, I can't even remember what it is. I think it's like two days or something. No, uh, it's a little more than that, but it's something ridiculously low. Yeah. So with those opinions in mind, how are you positioning yourself to benefit from these inflationary times? Build, build, build. Got it. <laughs> and that's really it. It's um, uh, 
I think right now is where we're at. We're at an interesting time. Um, I think spending the last five years learning as much as I could about real estate investing and then spending the last year working on the business with my buddy, I'm positioned in like an incredible way to benefit from all of this because doing these construction builds, you know, buying a house for 200 and building something crazy and cool on it and then selling each side for 500 and there's crazy spread on that. That's only possible because of these market conditions, right? Like I, I shouldn't say that we should be able to do that in any kind of market. However, it's probably not going to sell for the same price that it would in a different market. And it probably wouldn't go as quickly. Right. So that helps us a ton. It just makes us more motivated. Yeah. Seize, seize the day. The demand is there. So, I mean, wholesaling is, you know, you can squeeze margins because people are just so much more competitive. They like, you know, a flipper may take less increasing your wholesaling margin. You end up making more money just because of what's going on in the market. I mean, it's all over the board. My, like I'm kind of involved in some capacity with my wife and she's a realtor, right? And she wor- only works with investors looking for short-term rental properties, right? And, um, you know, they're constantly asking like, what's a good offer? Oh, we really have no idea. Like, and it's kind of terrible giving them that advice. Like, honestly, it, it's whatever the, the buyer's willing to pay right now. There's like, it, it's irrelevant what the comps are. And the markets are just, it, it, the market is just. See anything changing on that end for a while, unfortunately, for people trying to be first time home buyers, fortunately for investors. Do you see there being an, uh, an affordability issue as we move toward that environment where we're kind of coming into the haves and the have nots because people are unfortunately not able to build wealth and get into a home. Right, right. No, absolutely. Um, It's definitely tough. I mean, I think we just hit a new low for savings rate right now, right? Savings during stimulus like skyrocketed. And if you look at a graph of that now, savings is right back to like an all-time low for the average household, Um, which also, you know, it it can be really, really tough. You're trying to get into a, a house. People are always waiting for that. That real estate crash is coming. I really don't think it is. Um, Numbers don't think so either. <laughs> yeah. My advice is for people to try and get in. Uh, if they can save up that three and a half, get a first time home buyers and then refinance out of the, the PMI you know, as soon as possible. I'm pulling out a HELOC to buy another one right now. Yeah. Going through that process. <laughs> there you go. So, um, yeah, no, I think the sooner you can get into real estate, I mean, it's definitely uh, real estate, if I'm not mistaken, has made more millionaires than any other avenue out there so it's can't go wrong buying something where do we hear that i mean i always hear it but i don't know like where it originated from same or if it's true i even say that to people yeah (laughs) yeah like i heard this one time on a podcast right i probably read that in an article and that article probably doesn't even know where they got it from right Right. (laughs) like some guy out there created it but no one knows how to verify it we all know that it is true but we believe it is at least right i mean it makes sense from what my experience has been you would agree 100% both of you for sure JB dropping blue gems AG dropping blue gems new podcast baby tune in we in this thing dropping blue gems